Life Audio. Today on Talk About That, John comes up with a brand new drug and tells us about General Custer. Meanwhile, I go on tour with Nate Bergazzi in my hometown of Knoxville, triggering anxiety about bombing in front of old friends and family. Plus a conversation about enlightenment and the balance between living our lives and sharing our lives. Today's episode is not sponsored by Mops. Let's smear this dirt around with some wet yarn on a stick. But first, a word from our actual sponsor. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Johnny, it's been a minute, but we should take a little trip down to Bantertown. Let's talk about that. It's been a week. Yeah, we took a week. Two weeks. We took a we. It's one of the only weeks we've missed this year. Uh, you want to tell everybody why? Whose fault it was? Let's just start with that. Whose fault would you I'm say? Both of us. You think you're going to share it equally? Takes two to tango, John. Well, I've never tango. By tango, I mean flake out on our fans. <laughs> well, you've been on the road a lot. I have. This has been the busiest time of my entire career, and I'm very grateful for that. But it just means that I have to let some people down, and you're those people. That You yeah. and the people listening to this are those people. But we try to stay pretty faithful to it. I mean, we, we enjoy doing it is the main reason, but right. more than that, we just try to like be consistent, and I let everyone down. No, you didn't. It's fine. And it's my fault, too, because you actually took equipment for us to record remotely, and I was yeah. just like... You were like, let's not. Well, because... The stuff I had to do to get ready for that remote process, I was just like, if we were just sitting down and going, like, now it's fine, it's all set, but yeah. that was going to be a little more. You didn't want to do the extra work. Yeah, I'm saying I care about the fans, and but I, enough to do extra work. I don't know, Johnny. Um, we're in your office, and I'm looking in our, stu- in our lovely podcast studio, slash John's office, and mm. we're look- I'm looking at two bicycles. Yeah. They're like little, they're awesome, like kids' bikes. Uh-huh. And uh, what are those? So these are bikes uh, that are going, so our church is... is taking care of about 50 children who are part of CASA, court-appointed special advocates. Yeah. Um, not a part of CASA. They're in the CASA program, or yeah. CASA serves them. Yeah. Because um, that's one of our charities that we promote here. And so, we have, so we're doing like an angel tree kind of thing where everybody takes a kid to buy for? Well, their parents are in the in somewhere in the you know yeah. court system. Yeah. And so, yeah, we have actually, the kids have put down sort of their wish list. And so yeah. it's tailor-made to... Who they are, their we don't know their names, obviously, but their their age, their you know gender, what they want, they want clothes, they want it. And so these Laura kids I, asked for a PS Five, and you were like, "You're getting bikes," <laughs> which I thought, "Look, you make hey, an executive decision sometimes. You got to, yeah." So yeah, we we've part of the deal is is my mom came on board with us to help yeah. with the bikes. Now, Curry and I got a couple names, and yeah, we're excited. We're I can't wait to go shopping. Oh, it's fun, man. My our one of our kids is like it. It loves a lot of Paw Patrol. Which I don't know anything about Paw Patrol, but I've watched Paw Patrol because of my nephews. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen an episode or two. Yeah. We're glanced over, but it feels like we're going to be on a Paw Patrol mission. Yeah, to make this kid happy, and oh, I can't wait. Great. It's going to be fun. It'll be great. Yeah, and it's the team. You know, Julie is on staff. Um, I mean, she just spearheads a lot of this for us, and our church, our size, to take care of fifty kids. Yeah, that's really fantastic. And most all of them were sponsored almost in the first week that we announced. Yeah, I, mean, I saw been, there's a heap of stuff in the sanctuary. We yeah, we're putting by. it on the back so people can yeah. know, be reminded and seen and celebrate it's what really we're cool. doing. So I love it. Yeah, it's exciting. I think about that sometimes about don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. That scripture versus when you give, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Don't give so people will like notice you. But I think people take that out of context sometimes as far as like what it because I get inspired when I hear about like somebody doing something. Yeah. Like they might be on social media and you then people like jump in and be like, Oh, you're trying to toot your own horn. 
But I'm like, no, that's a cool idea. Yeah. I want to be a part of that. So, like, for instance, John Acuff years ago posted that every Christmas Eve uh, or Christmas Day, he'll go out with his family and they go to Waffle House and they tip the wait staff $100. They give $100 tips yeah. to people in there because they have to work on Christmas. And uh, I thought, that's such a cool idea. But you would not believe. Now, it wasn't like a huge percentage, but it's like it's like five or ten comments underneath. Okay, John, we get it. You're a good person. It's like, right. no, he really inspired me. And Curry and I do that every year because yeah. of that. Because he shared that he does it. I was like, we got to do that. What a cool, fun tradition. And now someone here, two things are going to happen. People are going to go do it. Go get a job at Waffle House. And then we're going to get five comments. <laughs> well, like, we and, get it, John. I thought you say they're going to go get a job at Waffle House and try to <laughs> be in line to... Just for that one day. For that one day. Yeah, I want to work. I think it's cool, though. Shift. And I, you know, I did a thing for, so my family founded a ministry when I was a little boy called Agape Outreach Homes. And it's, uh, they care, they house and care for mentally ill men in the Knoxville, Tennessee area. And it's a housing and care program. And it's a nonprofit. And it's such a great ministry. And I still believe in it so much. It's in, a, it's, in its 40th year. My brother still runs that program. My wife and I were involved in the program before we moved here to pursue ministry. And then I ended up doing falling into stand up comedy. But when we um, there was it was Giving Tuesday last week, mm-hmm. and so we I started like a little fundraiser on my page because I was like, look, I have you know a couple hundred thousand, almost three hundred thousand followers now. I want to see if we can like make yeah. a difference. And I don't know how it works like that. I don't know how much the algorithm will let you be seen right. by all what of the your people. Is, yeah. But I was trying, and I was like, so I was like, let me put a five thousand dollar. Uh, limit on here or $5,000 goal. And then I was like, I'm going to match up to that 5,000 and just see I'll Mm -hmm. match up to a $5,000 cap of like anybody that gives today. So your gift goes that much farther. And then for that one day, and then I was like, I'm going to make it the whole week. So now it's like, I think the campaign doesn't end. The reason I say that the campaign doesn't end until the 15th, I think, or the 12th of this month. So this episode, when it goes out today, uh, that campaign is still live. So go to my page and find that I'll reshare it. Yeah, because we still haven't met the goal, and I'm going to match up to that. So, and look at their websites linked on the comments. AgapeOutreachHomes.org, I think it is, or .net. But anyway, Agape Outreach Homes, amazing ministry, and uh, it's a chance for you to really give into something that's good. And I'm going to match as well. That's amazing. So, but again, I'm not saying that to my heart. I really want to like make the most impact. So that's why I was trying to take advantage of those tools. Sure. But I'm sure there's somebody that's like, here we go. This guy wants everybody to know he's. A good. It's like I don't care. I'm not. I'm not a good guy. Yeah, I guys, just, he's not. No. I can verify. No. It's, yeah. The, that ship has sailed, my friends. Yeah. It, but, yeah. yeah. No, and, and I think it's, you know, we do a thing in staff now, because um, we have not always done a great job of celebrating what was good or positive. Yeah. We don't like tooting our own horns. Um, it's, it's it's easy, I think, in all organizations or even in, in your life at home to just stay busy getting done what's next that has to happen. Yeah. You know, so sometimes we'll sit at the table, okay, guys, well, I got to leave early today and we all just start going. And so I've put something into the meeting notes every time that I just call something of a good report. Yeah. Hey guys. And, and even if we're in a hurry in a hurry, it's like, Hey, we need to be disciplined to stop. And it's right. always celebrate a great wins. Yeah. If you don't like, uh, what is it? Somebody was talking about that. Dave Barnes had a thing about that, about putting out a new single and a new record that was out or a new whatever. And he was like, whatever you don't celebrate, you lose. Mm-hmm. Somebody told him that a long time ago. Whatever you don't stop and celebrate and memorialize, yep. you just lose it because you're like, well, on to the next. Like, that's okay. And we have a hustle culture. Yeah. So it feels like that's the right thing to do. Yeah. But then you just lose it sometimes. And you, like I said, you need to celebrate wins. You need Because sometimes it's like this job, especially your job, can be heavy. Yeah. So you need to stop and be like, there's some great things happening. Yeah. And, I, and I, we had that talk because, yes, you have to talk about both. Yeah. Um, and and I, I'm trying to get better at that because the sixes are notorious. It's so funny. Um, you know, there's another writer who's a six and we work together on a project for an author. <laughs> and and you get a third six in there, you, your book's going to be a problem. Let me tell you. <laughs> Three sixes in a room? Get out of here. And the the author, we had finished the first draft, and, and she was sort of just, she's so kind and was just praising us in text threads yeah. you know, to me and her, to the other th- writer. And we were both like, we don't do well with that. Yeah. Like we You're don't. Deflecting and. Yeah. And I said, you know, 
how uncomfortable does this? And we we had a big laugh, you know, because they're all Enneagram experts, you know. So it, it, it yeah. was a, but it's it's one of those like I have to it, when I turn falsely humble or want to stay focused yeah. on what has to be done, then I actually not only deny myself that I do deny other people. Like your to your original point, yeah. I deny other people the chance for us to experience this together because I'm I, no, no, I got so much. To I'm do. guilty of that, even though it seems like I'm super engaged on social media now to my followers. A lot of that is people who I have hired to help me do it, right? Because I am trying to like live in the real world, but I'm like I know that. There are people out there that need to find my content. So, hey, cut up this content and put it out. But then they go, hey, we need more stuff of you just like being you. Yeah. And that's the stuff I, I don't like doing. But, I mean, to the point where I was out on tour with Nate Bergazzi uh, this last weekend. And it was a four-day run. And it was so fun. He's doing these big venues now. And he's been a friend of mine for a while. But it's just to see him at this level. I mean, he's the biggest selling act in the world right now. Yeah. Uh, ticketed, you know, comedian. So it's just such a crazy thing to watch and to be a part of a tiny spoke in that wheel is just so fun. And, and I was just trying to keep my head down, do my job, do my 10 minutes and get laughs and get out of there and not, not be in the way. Right. And then I was about like in day three and I was like, my social media team is going to kill me if I don't start sharing. (laughs) Like I should be backstage being like, here's what the bus looks like. And I just don't, I feel like we are doing that stuff, but you're right. That's the kind of stuff people want to be a part of, and I'm not giving. I, I just feel corny sometimes, but I need to do more of that, and I'm, I've pledged to you, John. I will. I, you know what? To I'm the gonna, point and, until someone goes, "Wow, that's corny," and then I'll. Pull right. back. Hey, you're doing too much. Yeah, I'll yeah. Pull back. You know who else does a lot, Johnny? For us, what's that? Our sponsors. Oh, well, we should take a moment and hear from a few of them. Okay. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. So Behind the scenes, things are happening. Yeah, so so your show mm-hmm. uh, in Knoxville, at yes. least, um, Andrew and I came up. Sunday yeah, it was night. very nice. You drove in. Yeah, it was great. And uh, a few people, few people from this uh, part of Tennessee, drove in to see the show. Uh, some f- faithful listeners, Mary Beth and Josh Lehew, came to the oh, show. Oh, did they really? They were at the three p.m. Okay, and they came in, so that was great. And I had a few other, you know, a few other podcast listeners that said we're going to be there, or at least they told me after the fact we were there. You know, I don't know who they're probably there for Nate. Let's be honest, <laughs> I was a throw in. They were like, "Oh my gosh, he's here too." Uh, we'll sit. We, we were going to go take a pee break, but we'll we'll sit. But yeah, so that was really cool, and it was great that everybody got to come. I mean, I got you free tickets, but I mean, so it'd be weird if you've been like, no, not even with a free not, ticket. Well, I had bought tickets. That's true. You did buy tickets. But yeah, so I was planning on coming either either and way. And then I but. said, well, I've got you these ones that are a little bit better seats probably. And then we gave your seats to another friend. Yeah. Our uh, record producer from back in the Scarlet Thread days. Yep. Going back to mine and John's band days. It's great to see him. It was really cool. Yeah. What had it been? 15 years? Uh, yeah. More more than that for me, probably. More than that for you. I think yeah. I'd seen him. Because you, you lived in Knoxville for a while after I left. Yeah, so. and so I saw him like once in a while. But... uh that was so cool. It was very cool. And to your point, when we got done, so we slipped out a little bit early to get back to not to Nashville. Look at y'all. The, the very end. And so you came out. We talked for a minute. Yeah. And we're walking away, and I go, we didn't get a picture. I know. Like, we came down. 100%. Same We thing. came down because it's the Knoxville Civic Coliseum, yeah. which is, I went to school there. You grew up there. And I knew it was a big deal. You're in your hometown. And that, and that building in yeah. particular is a big yeah. deal. And I was like, here we are in this moment. And not a one of us. It's like you get so caught up not wanting to be the person who has to have a picture of everything to prove it happened. Right. That you don't take a picture of anything. 
I, you know, I used to, I've had vacations where I took pictures the whole time, you know, yeah. and I am more likely now to not. Yeah. Like, it's like that extreme, like you can't, there's no balance there. Cause even Travis texted me, by the way, he texted me later. He was like, dude, I'm so proud of you. He texted me a couple times. He was like, I'm overwhelmed by how like proud I am of you. It was really, really sweet wow. what he said. But then he was like, why didn't we get a picture? What's wrong with what us? Wrong? I mean, it's crazy. We were right there and it was so cool that he came down cause he said, I'm going to come find you. He was at his seats, whatever you'd bought, some nosebleeds, awful seats that you had. And then I gave you the good seats. And so he had those seats now. So I go, well, I'm down on the floor with John right now. Come down. So he walked down. And so we all got to kind of reunite at the same time, our yeah. record our record producer. So that was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's one of those like moments in time you go, who who's supposed to be paying attention mm-hmm. to capturing this? Yeah. I don't know how to capture life. Yeah. And live it very well. But I even think about our fans. I mean, like that, that for the podcast's sake. Yeah. We should have put something out. Should have put something, hey, here we are, and here's the thing. Yeah. We don't do it. And then they're just like, oh, you did. So but I, I, I did share some photos the next day. Okay. So when I got home, I shared a post yesterday about it. Not about us. You're not in it. No. No. You're like, Johnny, you were Johnny, the, Johnny here. You were um, in the way, by the way. <laughs> no, but I shared about just being on that tour because I was like, well, I need to. You know, yeah. I'm going to get killed because I'm meeting with my team tomorrow and they're going to be like, what, what are you, you doing? Do? Yeah. You were in front of how many people and you didn't even post one photo. That you, that's that's like working with Reggie Debs. Yeah. So I'll because Reggie and I we wrote the first book. We've written three now together. The first book, we're telling his life story, uh-huh. you know, and I'd have it done and it'd be in like editing stage three or whatever. Right. And then he would share something like, you know. That he met with Nelson Mandela. Yeah. That Ma- Mandela sent a helicopter uh-huh. to pick him up. Right. He didn't even know where he was going and went to some remote mountaintop house to meet with Mandela. Right. We call that the Mandela effect. <laughs> no, that's not what that is. That's a different thing. <laughs> and I'm like, Reggie, how in the world did we do 50 hours of interviews or whatever and you mm-hmm. failed to mention yeah, or, or he'll you know he'll hang out. He just has so many of those stories that he's like, yeah. oh, that one slipped through. Yeah, I probably should have told you. Remember that time at the president or whatever? You're like, dude. Yeah, you know, it's not just that he met him, right? Because you know, it, it'd be that some some again, someone they summoned him. Someone sent a helicopter, or right. you're you know, so no I, one's ever summoned me. I would like to be summoned. You know, that means nice. not like from beyond, like no. an incantation. No, but like, I've done that. Just send for me. Oh. Just yeah. send for me in particular, not like, hey, we need a comedian. Here's a list of comedians. Ah, uh, he looks okay. Right. Like, that's how I normally get hired. That's how it's happening now. That's how it normally, that's when you, that's how you chose for the podcast. You were like, all right, I got friends. Ugh. This is the one that annoys me the least, maybe. Mm-mm. I well, just thought I'll, the annoying I, would bring more I, fans. I give it one month. <laughs> but I've never been specifically like, we got to have that guy or no one. Yeah. Like, that's Reggie. Reggie's got that kind of appeal. He does. It's crazy. Um, and when I speak with them, that's very, I'm just, I embrace it. I just say it Yeah. because I don't have that sort of uh, right. presence. Being, right. Being one of one is a, when you see it, like just having work with Nate this weekend, we were talking about him today at lunch. Like his style is so unique and what he is experiencing in uh, the comedy world right now is so unique. And it's because of his skill set. He's one of one. Yeah. He writes differently than anybody I've ever been around. His process is different. The way he makes an audience feel is different. Yeah. The the laughs he is getting, even though I was getting big laughs, he gets a laugh that's different than my laugh. The st- the, the way it's happening. Yeah. We called it, a buddy of mine was talking about how he jabs. He jabs you to death. Yeah. You know, whereas I'm like, set up, set up, boom. Right. You know. And that's kind of traditional comedy. Nate has really kind of turned it on its head. And so it's fascinating to watch him work and, and see his process, a little bit of it. So it's kind of interesting to be on the inside. But I was trying to state to your point about the social media stuff, I just feel like I don't want to be in the – I was still feeling out the dance of that chemistry of like I don't want to be in the way. And I don't right. want to be like I'm taking advantage of this opportunity to make a name for myself. Right. While it's silly not to take some of the heat and be like, hey, you know, I'm here because they chose me and this is great. But also, I'm here on Nate's tour. Right. But I'm afraid to post anything sometimes. It's like, all right, is it going to look like I'm being opportunistic? It's like, all right, your fans want to know where you are. Right. So I got to strike that balance. I'm going to I'm going to find it. I'm going to get there. I don't, I don't know if you will, but that's OK. It's um, I'll get there. I'm OK if you don't. How about that? OK. A real friends is like, cool, whatever you want to do. I just want to live to regret it. <laughs> I just want to be like the last 20 years of my life. Why didn't I? More of those. 
Yeah. Do you think do you think you live with more regrets of what you didn't do versus what you did do? Like, are you one of those people? Because that's the whole old quote: you always regret more what you didn't do than what you did do. That's that's the quote they, of a person that that had a lot of sins of commission versus omission. They were right. like, "Well, look, I did a lot of stuff. <laughs> Imagine what I didn't do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I could have shot ten people. I only shot five. You know, like that's not a yeah. I think that I. Being counterphobic, it's funny, it, it, even where I'm praying right now in my life, um, I've always gone after, if I am if I have a dream or a goal or a fear even, yeah. my counterphobia causes me to just go try to conquer. Yeah. You knew that about me when we met, you yeah. know, and, and, and so there's a lot of hubris there of, oh, I can do this, right. you know, and, and I think that's, my, my therapist calls it, uh, he said his 22 or 18 to 22 year olds he calls as zealots yeah it's part of just the way your brain works right then okay is that they uh like i remember coming home my dad was a pastor for god knows how many years and i wasn't like trying to convert him or something but i had learned things that that you know you're now testing people who are ahead of you yeah like are you sure that you know about this you know and that's just the zealots you know that's what they do and i think that some people they continue with that and i I look at it and go, I had to be trained not to think I could do everything or not to go try everything. Yeah. And I, I kind of now, I'm at a place where it's still in me to just go, oh, I'll do that. Oh, I'll do that. Like, I'm, I'm looking at things right now educationally. I've been doing this for 15 years. I want to go back to school. Yeah. And then I don't. And then I do and I don't. And then I look at the price and I look at this. And then I look at return on investment. I'm like, well, what is that really going to help me with? Well, what if, and then I'm, then I'm in my head about, Am I trying to make a backup plan to ministry? Is that what I'm doing for security purposes? I have to, so the committee inside of my right. head is going. Right. Second guessing your motivations is big. I think it's big for people who are raised the way we were raised. Always imagining that there is an evil intent that's hiding and lurking behind every ambitious decision. I'm not sure I don't. I mean, I think when you say it that straight, yeah, you know, it, it almost pushes you to go, but that's not true. And I kind of feel like, look, guys. I'm at the place where I've become more acquainted with my brokenness the older I've gotten. Because I've introduced you. you know, exactly. Like, hey, you by the keep way, bringing lists. And I'm yeah, like, wow. Have a look at this. That's a lot of stuff. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I'm also more acquainted that not only am I more broken than I thought, but grace is bigger than I thought. God's grace was better. Mm-hmm. So it's like in that proportion, I'm, I do, I think when people are like afraid of the, Whatever the, the the puritanical, I'm always down on myself kind of thing. I think that just that just means that you have truth without grace, right? Because because yeah. I think there is a truth to it. Because the opposite of that being yeah. like, no, no, I'm fine. I have good intentions. I'm mm-hmm. like you know, like as Tim Keller talked about the Apostle Paul saying, "Look, I don't care about your opinion about me. Also, I don't care about my opinion about me. Yeah, like it doesn't really matter. Only God can can really know. And I think there's a there's a a a freedom that comes from that, that you go, okay, this really doesn't matter on my intention. When I can tell it's not right, that's fine. But most likely I, there, there's a, a lot of things in me that there's nothing good there that dwells, that I will be selfish. I will be those things. And there's other things in me that are good. But when I test it, I go, it, that, and this is where I get, this is where I get inactive now. Mm-hmm. And I'll sit and go, I'm not going to do that. And then I get, this is the really funny part. Then I get jealous not of other people who go do it, yeah. but other people who are not sitting around thinking about it as much as I am, yeah. that they have clarity. Right. <laughs> like Nate had a bit about that. Uh, he's opened the show because he was talking about Vandy football, and he was like, can you imagine? And we've shared something similar to this bit because we said – because you talk about, it like, what must it be like to be an Alabama fan? Uh-huh. You just – you get to be like, ah, I'll go to the playoffs next year. Right. I don't want to go to the games this year. I, we couldn't make it. We'll go next year. They'll be in. <laughs> And he, but his his take was, what must it be like to not have to root for a team? Yeah, have all that spare time and not be invested in that, uh-huh. not be miserable most of the time. Yeah, like it must be amazing. They're just. He, free. He said, I hope my team just quits sports. <laughs> I want them to quit because he's a Vandy fan. And I just thought it was so funny and f- funny idea. But yeah, it's like uh, yeah, you almost get jealous of people who have some. To your point, like. They seem to have something where they don't have the same angst or the whatever. Whatever you're at, you're projecting on them, usually. Right. It's usually not true. Well, some of them don't. And again, that's why I think 
understanding. But that they have other weaknesses that we're not oh, perceiving. Sure. Yeah. But it's funny. The weakness I wish I had sometimes would be that blind spot of confidence. Yeah. <laughs> when I see people who their confidence is so great that they, it's a blind spot. In some ways, I look down on them. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, bro. You know? Well, I think it's okay to those people. It's just, we got to make sure those people don't get in charge. Well, they, they're going to be in charge, though. Yeah, it's weird. They're, that's how they get in charge. But in charge of the country is when that worries well, me. They're like, off and wrong, never in doubt. Like, that's a weird yeah. person to be like, their hand on the button. Yeah, when you find guys, when you find, like, especially historically, leaders who had great confidence in their abilities, but also humility to listen to the other side. Yeah. Um, or know who to put around them that can hold them in check. Like, mm-hmm. I'll build boundaries because I know enough to know about myself to know. Like, I'll need advisors. Yeah. But what, what happens when you fire all your advisors? <sighs> Well, and, and, you know, Governor Haslam of Tennessee, mm-hmm. so I wrote for his dad, I wrote his dad's book, so I've, I've you know, got to meet him and, and talk to him quite a bit here and there, and there was an article in the paper about him the other day, Yeah, actually two days ago, mm-hmm. and they were talking about when he was, and I may get the office wrong, because he was mayor of Knoxville and then governor of Tennessee, I may get which one of these was wrong, but one of his opponents in the race, Yeah, uh, I mean, and, and he said, he said, you know, uh, these races are always personal. Right. Like you can say they're not. They're always, it's a personal thing. Yeah. It feels personal. And so there's all kinds of mud that gets slung even in a, you know, local or a city, you know, election like that. Mm-hmm. And when he, he won the office and then there was a major part of his cabinet that he needed someone for. And he realized that his opponent, that was her expertise. Yeah. Who had just done all this. And he totally set some of the politics on in and it was the interviewer asking him about it he didn't just go let me tell you what i did yeah um that'd be sounding more like what you've been doing but <laughs> but he he was like um they were like it did it, it it shocked everyone mm-hmm. when he just brought that person on and then later on she became when he was out of office she took the office and won it the next time he was like that's what this is supposed to be. So there's a confidence in the leadership to say, in fact, the, the podcast that he started, and I, I may not, again, forgive me, I'm not looking at it all. He started a podcast. He was Republican. He started a podcast with the former Democratic governor of Tennessee, yeah. Phil Bredesen. Uh-huh. They do a podcast together. It may be over now. I think it's called I Might Be Wrong. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. And or something to that effect, uh, yeah. that sentiment. And they're sitting like, this is what it's supposed to be. So, yeah, I think the certainty – I don't want leaders or I don't want people but when, who their certainty is blinding them, like I said, to the detriment of the nation or whatever. But just for the inter- – like just at a restaurant, yeah. if, if I could just pick a meal uh-huh. easier, that would be just – that would be grand. To not be afraid of regretting your choice. Yeah. Like, man, I should have, you know. Ah, oh, that pizza looks good that they got. What are we doing over here with this grilled chicken? And I made something the other day. It's so funny. I made a wrap. Yeah. Um, and I put like lunch meat in it, turkey and ham, some sliced tomato, little ranch. Mm-hmm. I was just in a hurry and I was so disappointed. And I said the words out loud to the dog. Yeah. I think I was like, well, that would have been better if Laura would have made it, you know, mm-hmm. because you, know, you talk to your dog. I get home, I tell Laura the experience. She goes, I bet you thought that would have been better if I made it, didn't you? I was like, I said that to the dog. I mean, because she knows I'm... And the dog was like, mm, dog mm-hmm. nodded. He, he did, yeah. He, I tried to give it to him. He wouldn't eat it. Uh, I'm just kidding. But, it, you know, it was like a... He knew who made it. But they people who know you even know your self-doubt. Yeah. So, uh, and Johnny, speaking of self, I do want to go into our new segment. <gasps> oh, right. Um, it's a segment we're still, we're still playing with what we're going to brand it as in terms John. of the song. But John's quote of the week is what we're calling it, right? Right now, but we had one of our long-term listeners from the beginning, oh. Aaron, yeah. reached out. Did you see the name that he suggested? I, I can't remember. And I like it a lot. What and was so it? I'm going to go with it. He said, we should call this, they talked about that. Oh, because other people talk. Right, because it's the quote. It's quote. So we have to talk about then, yeah. which is your segment. They talked. They talked about that. They talked about that. I don't know. We're going to give it a shot today. Uh, guys, let's go into the next installment of... They talked about that. Mm. That was the wrong song. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a well-oiled machine around here. All of the trouble to get that all programmed. You did, and you hit the wrong button. Yeah. So, uh, actually, going to be. It's not. It is a person. Okay. But there's there's an interesting story here, Um, and this is. The original line from the Declaration of Independence went like this. Okay. We hold these truths 
to be sacred and undeniable mm-hmm. that all men are created equal. We hold these truths to be sacred mm-hmm. and undeniable. And so that was one of the early drafts right. that Jefferson made. And Jefferson sent it to Ben Franklin, who suggested take out sacred and undeniable and replace it with what we now know. So we hold the truth, these hold these truths to be self-evident. Yeah. And I've been reading this book and I've been talking about, I finished it on vacation. It was unbelievable. But the, the enlightenment process wherein someone would think that self-evident things are even possible. Yeah. is something we take for granted. Like, and it's, it's imminent. I M M. It's not. It's spelled like imminent, but pronounced differently. It's got an A. And an imminent means within oneself. Okay. And so within the, the the bounds of oneself, you begin to believe that oh, this can be known by me, mm-hmm. right? Like it, if I see this as it is, then that is good. Like I I can come to this conclusion, right? Versus a transcendental way of seeing whether it's truth or philosophy, which mm-hmm. says I-, I can learn things, but they can't be contained within me. Yeah. Like there is a, there's a universe, right? Uh-huh. There's a higher power, however you want to say it, but there's something out there that I don't assume that my understanding of it, yeah. of how truth or reality works, that my understanding of it somehow contributes to the conversation about it. Like maybe I stumble upon it, but I'll never be able to fully yeah. Contain it. And and it just was so fascinating to me, but how um, you can see in this document mm-hmm. that shift of thinking. Or just the one was thinking one way and one was thinking another way. They were looking at it the same well, problem think, in a different way, right? I think the point the author is kind of making is like what they really did in that document is they put out sacred and undeniable truths. Right. Sacred meaning like they're connected to something higher here. And these uh-huh. are these are – a mixed bag of religious people like this is not right. some of them are very irreligious. You know, you, you think about deists, you think about people who are, it's not like they're what we, we can think of as, as right. evangelical Christians on that front. But, yeah. but they do believe that what they're establishing and, and guys hear me. I'm not like, I'm not saying the country was founded as a Christian nation and all those things. Okay. I think what we're saying is they were, they felt like these truths, all men are created equal, right? They're endowed by their creator with these inalienable rights that they felt that there was a higher purpose to that. But then they have now stated that higher purpose Mm -hmm. to be Mm self-evident that you, you can get this Mm -hmm. right. This should make sense to you. And what we don't, and, and where you go now downstream 250 years, the downstream effect of that, and even into Protestantism, right? So, which was already obviously in place here at 1776. But the idea, and, and the author talks about like Martin Luther, yeah. who's nailing his 95 theses to this door. Right. We kind of think, oh, it's the 95 theological statements he made that were so revolutionary. And, and certainly I think that there's, they, they were. But he says, actually, you're, you're, the the modern Western mind um, is not thinking what was really most revolutionary because we don't have a concept of it. Mm-hmm. We just think, well, of course it's self evident. Martin Luther he goes, the idea that he said there were lots of priests in mm-hmm. the Catholic Church who were calling out the abuses and, and the indulgences. There's, we act like as if no one no one was saying anything until Martin yeah. Luther. He's like, there's lots of reformers from within. What was revolutionary is that he said. On my own, I've studied the Bible, and not just because everybody couldn't read Latin or those kinds of things, but like I have now come to the conclusion outside of the church's authority or the church's history or the church's uh, you know agency mm-hmm. that on my own, I can tell you that that's wrong and that I now trust in this way of seeing it. Mm-hmm. And so it's not whether he was right or wrong. It's that, whoa, bro. You came up with that on your own. We don't yeah. we don't have a concept in, in that sort of way. And now that's ex- that's the only way we do it now. Right. <laughs> like now it's a, especially if you're thinking of religious things, you you move through the world. Think about how many people we call it church shopping. Yeah. Right. 
And I think there's a time and a place to do that. I'm, I'm not. I'm not bashing it. And if you're currently shopping, if you're currently shopping. Check out the head on out to But like, if you if you <laughs> if you like recognize that the at Ephesus you mm-hmm. didn't church shop because there was only one choice, right? Yeah. And so, um, but somewhere along the line, it's not just about. That had to be a bummer for those people. I got to move cities now, right? We don't <laughs> I like go your to church to do this. <sighs> but like that idea of we think it as our self evident right. Yeah. To not yes, you have a right to choose what church you go to. That's and the country's certainly built upon that idea. But there's there's something deeper than that. You're saying that I can't understand and judge theology mm-hmm. as what's best or not best or or orthopraxy, like what's happening in this church. It's not that we just go, you know, I have a different preference. Most people it's not just a preference for them. Right. It's a strong belief yeah. that's self evident to them. And if you go this place doesn't line up with my values, I'm moving on. Right. And the idea that my values exist apart from the big C church values, uh-huh. and that we're all okay with that now, but that was that was revolutionary. Right, to it wasn't them. okay then. Right, and it's not just because they were trying to keep you in line necessarily. Certainly, abuses and all those things to to you know middle ages and all that, and, and especially in the Catholic tradition. And he even makes the point that the Protestant tradition now set us on that course. It's a great and need, the reform needed to happen. A lot of good reformation. Also, now we live in a reformation mindset in that I'm always reforming now this right. experience. I'm now looking for what you're not doing right. Yeah. Because I believe I have the right to to bring my 95 theological takes on this. Mm-hmm. They may be right. It's not about with them being right or wrong. It's that 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 eminence, right? That self-evidence. So do you think it's good or bad that 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 ongoing what well, we modern eyes might call it deconstructionism like where yeah. we're constantly ref, we always feel like a reformer and some people feel like reformers and they're not they're just critics. Well, that's the thing for me whenever you have 95 theological takes on the church you just visited but you don't really know a lot about theology. Yeah. That that's what a lot of it is. It's really preference or it's it's and this sounds like an elitist take, forgive me, you know, because I'm not either. I have to be self-evident to say what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you can't, in the modern mind, can't speak from outside of this perspective because we were born into this perspective now. Yeah. So it's, it's a foreign now concept the other way. But I think to answer your question, I think it's both and. I mean, I think. That feels like a real cop-out answer, and I, had, I expected nothing expected, less. Well, yeah. <sighs> I, think it's a, I think it's a matter of, like, all we know is your personal relationship with Jesus. Like, that... That's language for us that you actually don't find in Scripture, though it is leading personal. But they're being written to churches, like right. Yeah. These stories are not written to individuals, except the, the Book of Luke. And some might some might say that that was a pseudonym he was writing to that represented grander things. But it, it most cases is being written to yeah. you know, Timothy is a letter, right? It's written to a person, but he's supposed to read it to the church in yeah. places. So. There's a collective, I think, that we've lost, is my point. We're offended by the collective, and the collective, we don't know how to deal with the diversity of thoughts within it. And so we can just say, well, that's not right. I, I was taught differently or whatever, and I think that's good to own it. But what we do have as a result is 1,500 churches on every street corner mm-hmm. who have a little now self-evident right. truth. Dividing line, hair splitting right. thing that they're doing. That for us we, feels we, big. We nailed it. Yeah. Whatever it is, we we nailed it. And it's like, guys, this is self-evident. Like, everyone can see this, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of it being sacred and undeniable, which yeah. would say, maybe I can't understand. That goes back to the certainty, right? Maybe I can't understand everything in its fullness and I approach it with confidence yet humility. Um Well, I hope you get it one day. Well, i got a long ways to go, Joni. Um, but I think that's going to wrap up today's segment of They Talked they- About That. You hit the right button. I hit the right button. This Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, boy, John. What do you think about the song today? I like this one's getting there. We're, I think we're getting there. It's a little modern. Yeah. For an old quote. Feels like it needs some horns in it or something. Oh. Or like something like with pomp and circumstance. You know, a little bit of a. A little like, pomp. Something like that somebody with a powdered wig would walk in here. Oh. Well, to, maybe bring the wig and we'll talk. <sighs> Usually the wigs you wear not powdered. What was up with the powdering? Was it because of mites and stuff? I don't know. To keep bugs out? What was the powdering? John, was that's that like a, great a medical? Question. 
There is. We can never know. I don't know. There's no way to know. Where, so I told you where I was. Where were you? Did you? You went away. You went on. You went away for Thanksgiving. I did. I went to uh, Sarasota with oh, my. How uh, is she? Oh, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> Sarasota. It was great. Um, went with uh, my wife's family. It was kind of my mother-in-law's one of her like sort of dreams is that we would all we would do Thanksgiving or yeah. one of the holidays at the beach and we went to a resort and it was really really awesome. So a lot of fun seafood, bro. Y'all cook like a big turkey? Oh, you ate seafood? You went no, out? no. They had they had a meal at the hotel, a oh, buffet. Okay. Yeah, and it was so nobody had to like just no slave away. It was That's good. It was the most amount of food offered. Mm-hmm. Like, and I've been on cruise ships and stuff. Like, I've not ever seen. It was a Thanksgiving meal, and they were all. I felt bad. I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to work on Thanksgiving. They're like, we're not. Like, we volunteered because they got time and a half, and they probably get to go home later that night and have a meal. Hundred dollar tips yeah. from people like me who Come are good, on. good, good people. people, just good people. <laughs> but it was it was amazing. I yeah. mean, lobster mac and cheese and and peel okay. and shrimp and all kinds of just. Was, You're supposed to peel those. I wondered why I was my back of my throat was super itchy. <laughs> What is going on? You know that true story. What? Remember, we had a student on a trip one time who oh, never had just shrimp. Throwing them back, and my tails mom, and all. My mom was with us. I think so. And she was just crunching. She's like, "These are so good." My mom was like, "Oh, honey, that that's great." You know, my mom's so sweet. You know, yeah, so they're going to be even better if you try it like this. You know, but then yeah. the kid just never had a shrimp before. Him, Man, so there you go. What if? Yeah, those tails are. Sounds mm. like a bug's wings mm. eating a shrimp tail. Yeah, you know. Not that I've eaten bug wings. Shrimp, well, who among us, really? The texture of a... Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't like it. <laughs> Johnny's making faces right we now. We were talking yesterday, uh, because I did uh, the Nate Land podcast, and they got an email from someone who listens, and somehow they had been arguing about Thanksgiving sides, I guess, the week before, and the whole stuffing versus dressing. Yeah. What, you know, it's been trending on Twitter, even. Who and then somebody said dress. I think somebody said dressing was their favorite. Dusty maybe had said Dusty Slay had said dressing's the best Thanksgiving side. They're like you're crazy, and I agree. I think if you have dressing, it's made the right like. And I stuffing is like fluffy and weird, and it's northern. Dressing is like wet. You can slice it like a cake. Well, I've, I've had dressing that was so wet. You put, you gravy, slice, you yeah. put gravy on it, and it's even wetter. And it's just like a it's a slab. It's heavy. Yeah. It's heavy to the you weight. You want some it. goo. Yeah. You know? There's weight to it. And I like dressing. Yeah. But uh, we were just talking about that. Did you have dressing in your Thanksgiving meal? They had dressing are and stuff. Are you a fan, or are you going to be one of these people that doesn't? I had dressing and stuff. You're off anything. carbs, though, so you probably didn't. No, I was on carbs. Oh, you cheated. I, that. yes. You carbed. I invited. Because you can. I mean, how are you going to no. be low carb on At the beach for the week. Yeah. I gained about five pounds. But that's hey, not bad. That's it's, not it's, bad. it's already, you've already got it back off. You've been running again? Mm, I ran at the beach. Oh, that's right. You, you texted at our group. But I came our small home. group to brag about it. Did I? Yeah, you no. were like, I had the best run of my life, boys. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear the voice of God, you get out there in nature and run 15 miles like I did today. Yeah. That sounds just like me. Yeah. It's like I'm sitting right here. Yeah. Um, I have not run much since I've gotten home because it's been very cold. Yeah. And, and I'm back in it. It's very depressing to come home like it's gray. It's gross. Like, oh, here we go. It's been raining like every day, but I'm going to start running. Maybe again. I got to. I'm not letting it go. I'm, 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 I'm running. Yeah. I'm at a good spot right now, so I don't need to go away and start all over. I'm at a good spot, and that spot is the couch. Hey man. Well, I'll get it back. I'm fine. It's coming. It's fine. You're going to be. Is fine. it though? You've never I saw better. some old high school friends at the show, and they were like, you look so great. And I, I feel like I do compared to how I looked the last time they saw me. Yeah. So that's a good feeling. But it's like also, I'm really out of shape. Uh, I'm just thinner. What they mean is, you look not like a fat tub of goo anymore. Oh, wow. But you don't. I don't look healthy. I just look sm- like a smaller, out of shape person. Well. Don't you think? Are you asking me if I agree with you? I want you to encourage me. <laughs> Johnny, I think you look great. Oh, that's nice. I mean, you're active. I was totally traveling unsolicited. all the time. I know. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I was just yeah. thinking about how. No. But I was able to say to them, you look great, too, and mean it. Hey, that's nice. You know? Because they do. They look great. They took care of themselves. Their wife is lovely. They look great. Everybody looked great. So I, wasn't, I didn't do the whole thing of like, thanks. Right. Just nod and yeah. I got to get backstage. <laughs> I was able to be like, you all look great. Everybody looks so great. That's awesome. We've done good for ourselves. We need better adjectives. Yeah. But if you get too adjective y, yeah. then you're like, wait, are you, magnificent. Are you hitting on me? Right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, too it's weird. Very, yeah. yeah. 
You've never looked better. Oh, my God. Yeah. Your wife is radiant. Hey, pal. <laughs> like, you don't call another man's wife radiant. That's not okay. You, yeah. Do you use radiant in your own house? No. You should, because that was lovely. When I get home today, where do you, you see? Oh, man. Curry's in, Curry is in for it. Yeah. She's going to be like, is this a bit? What are you doing? <laughs> she'll, be, she'll be upset. She'll be suspicious. Well. You shouldn't be suspicious of compliments from your husband, but that's a very verbose... Yeah. You know? Yeah. You shine like a thousand suns. Right. That's not. She was like, why doth thou use such prolixity yeah. for such? I was on that prolixity. Oh. It, oh, my gosh. The it, side effects. Did it constipate me? Oh, my goodness. I had to go off of it. <laughs> yeah. It'd be, it would be great if it was like there was a medicine called prolixity for something related to like speech issues yeah. you know what i'm saying all right that would be mm. and people most people wouldn't get that it helps you not stutter or whatever right i take prolixity yeah i think we just made something the, the, before the guy's like i take yeah, he just couldn't get he through couldn't it and they have it. to <laughs> pop this pill boom yeah. you're on it's probably an injection anyway because <laughs> it has to take effect quickly right but anyway yeah it was good to see everybody but it's odd when you know you're going to run into people that you haven't seen like we ran into travis and you go you do that thing in your head where you're doing the math of like how many years. It feels like a high school reunion. It right. really was for me. Yeah. But even for Travis, it'd been almost 20 years. Yeah. So you're like, okay, I had hair the last time I saw Travis. Right. But you look good without hair. And you, you know what I'm saying? You had a, you, you were a little like rounder, doughier, even then. Like you're leaner probably than you were when we did the record. I was doughier. That's fair. Oh, there's a picture. Where is it? Like you've, uh, it's gone. and you've know. got, and the thing is you're, you're around someone who knows, like, Laura will go, not those frames, John. You know what I'm saying? Mm. She'll go, not that sweater, John. You've, oh, had, I, you've had 20 years of that since Travis was around she you. She would claim, probably, that, though, I've still got so much further to go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because like, no, I no, do no, all work in progress. I'll walk in and go, sure. look, what do you think? Can I wear this together? And she'll be like, you know what? No. But because I asked. Yeah. You know. She'll be like, can I ask you a question? Are you drunk? Right. It'd be something like, yeah, let's, let's, you ask a question, I'll ask a question. Yeah. <laughs> it's, fair. it's fair. And I'll be like, you know, again, could you write down the rules? It's uh-huh. like, you can't. You can't write down the rules because they only. Nope. Nobody knows the rules. Well, she knows them. Yeah. But she's not going to reveal from whence they come. Nate got a, this great, you know, when, when you're at Saturday Night Live, which Nate did, they give you these, the, they take picture of you in these clothes. They have the best wardrobe department at you know that studio, yeah. and they put all these wild outfits on you. And they take a photo shoot of you, and they show your photos in these photo shoots between right. commercial breaks. Yeah. And it's they're amazing. They're action shots, and you're wearing these clothes that you don't you don't have because they put they put you on. And then you get to keep those if you want. Oh, wow. So Nate got in this jacket that's like got flowers on it, and it's white, and it's very like. Something Nate would not normally. Yeah. But the photo looked cool, and then now it's on Saturday Night Live, so they let him keep it. He kept it, and it's such a comfortable jacket. He wears it on stage in certain cities. But he even said in Savannah, like, this felt like I could wear this here, because you guys are – it's Savannah. Yeah. He goes, I'm not wearing this in Knoxville. Like, he made a joke about <laughs> Knoxville. Knoxville can't handle this jacket. But I, I – so I took a photo with Nate in that – Nate's wearing that jacket. And so – like four or five people come to what's going on with that jacket? Like they're critiquing the jacket. And of course it made me tease too. Cause they were like, where'd Nate get that jacket? And I, I added Ann Taylor loft, but, uh, <laughs> cause it's, it's kind of, but I could never do that. Like, I don't right. know the rules. Like Nate's at a level. I think now where he's just like, I'm going to take more risks. I feel you and I've talked about, we don't take risks. No. I don't feel like I'm allowed to wear a, you know, red roses on my white jacket. No, I mean, I'm allowed. Yeah. But it won't work. No. You know what I'm saying? We could do it. We have the freedom. Yes. But we don't. We don't have the freedom to be, like, I'm not free enough from the critique. The, my inner critique is going to keep, I'll be like, you know what? Back to simple black jacket. Yeah. Which is what I wore on stage. Yeah. And you look great. Thank you. I'm tell, hey, Johnny, there are roses on the inside. In my heart. Johnny had roses have, in his heart. Yeah. I will say this. It was one of the best. I mean, I know it was only 10 minutes for you. It was oh. one of the best sets I've ever seen you do. Oh, it's nice. It was so good. I mean, and that's the truth. I um, felt good and it, it. This was my third rep in front of that, you know, that arena. And so I felt like I knew the stage a little bit better. And I was just, you know, I knew what to expect. It got really dark. Like they darkened the room perfect. Yeah. So it's just like the spotlight blinds you so much that you can't see them if you wanted to, which is where I like it. I do not like seeing the crowd. I want to hear them. So I'm listening for how well I'm doing. Yeah. So I listen. I was like, I think I'm doing okay. This sounds like about... 
sixty percent of these people are laughing. Well, sixty is okay. That's what's funny is I'm sitting out there in the crowd, and so I'm listening. This is just like it was at AGT when I was out in that crowd. Like I'm listening to people who don't know that I know you. Yeah. I'm always paying attention to what they're saying, what yeah. they're laughing at, you know. And yeah, they were they were getting every bit of it, laughing That's at good. it, you know. That's good. Uh, you weren't uh, having to elbow anybody and hey, be you like, get hey. it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my buddy up there. Are you not hearing? Well, <laughs> okay. My father-in-law came and he's oh, 83. Wow. They sat close. They were on like row 13. Yeah. And uh, he uh, is, I told him, take a nap. During the, I said, please take a nap because mm-hmm. it's a seven o'clock show. And, you know, it, we're going to be here all nine. And he's bed, his bedtime's eight usually. Yeah. And so he was just like, oh, well, you know, it'll be good. And, and uh, Curry said that he he grinned. He he chuckled a few times, but yeah. said that like towards the end, he was fighting it. He was doing the whew, he was doing the nod, the nod and the thing. Or he would hear like a loud noise from the crowd and it would jar him back. Uh-huh. Like, oh, I'm in a public place with 5,000 people. Right. But uh, he said he enjoyed it. Well, oh, I just hope he was proud. The thing is, you just the thing about that is I, I like to imagine him going to the senior center and bragging about me. Yeah, that's like a weird, like I want that. I don't know why I want it, and I don't need that. I don't deserve that, but I just that would be cool. Like if you go, well, you know, my, my son-in-law just over here. He's just talking to. Me. They're like, like speak the idea, up. The idea they're doing a puzzle, and he's like talking. Well, you know, I gotta go. I gotta. I gotta leave early. I'm heading over to my. Mm-hmm. Five thousand people are coming to not see my son-in-law, but he'll mm-hmm. be there also telling jokes. Mm-hmm. That kind of a thing. Yeah, there's not. You can't really brag because no. it wasn't my show. But you can say like he was a part of it. Hey, you could brag. It was he could. Fun. He could. He could. And if he's listening to this, uh, and you didn't brag about me, Dad, uh, you're dead to me. Well, <laughs> it's over for us. Johnny felt like this was the right venue. To yeah, tell for you. my private pain. Yeah. Uh, speaking of private pain, John, let's go mm. all the way back into history. Uh, for a closing segment that we like to call Talk About Then. John, this week in history, the great killer smog of London. We're going to start with a dark one. Did you know about the great killer smog? It's crazy. 1952. I I figured it'd be a long time ago. A temperature inversion combined with windless conditions trapped a layer of airborne pollutants to form a thick layer of smog over the city that lasted till December 9th. Mm. So it was a four-day period december 5th through 9th it's estimated that twelve thousand people died and a hundred thousand more were made ill by the smog's effect on the lungs most of the smog particles were from coal burning fireplaces due to the cold weather it's the worst air pollution event in the history of the united kingdom and led to the 1956 four years later clean air act the smog reduced visibility to just a few meters and due to the sulfur content smelled like rotten eggs so this is just a quadruple whammy yeah you know you got to burn. It's cold weather. It's awful. You got to burn. The, and that's what the cold makes it worse. And now you got the thing just sitting over top of your house and people are. It's no good. I want to say I learned about this through the crown. I think that they oh, did. Right. They did they an episode hold. on this. Uh, the killer Queen Elizabeth. Smog. Killer yeah, smog. It's, it's crazy. Craziness. Yeah. Uh, John, the end of prohibition this week. You know what year? You can wait for it. End of prohibition. Wait for it. I'm going to call it. It's Roosevelt. Stop it! What? <laughs> okay. was it? It was it as late as nineteen thirty-seven? Thirty-three. Oh. Prohibition is repealed when Utah became the thirty-sixth state to ratify the twenty-first amendment, giving it the necessary seventy percent, seventy-five percent of states. You know that? That's what did it. Utah yeah. put them over the top. Yeah. Needed to enact it. Way to go, Utah! The U.S. President Franklin Roosevelt said uh, during a proclamation. Uh, with the following statement. Uh, oh, he said he issued a proclamation during, declaring the end of prohibition with the following statement. I trust, you'll love this, I trust in the good sense of the American people that they will not bring upon themselves the curse of excessive use of intoxicating liquors to the detriment of health, morals, and social integrity. So basically he was saying, mm-hmm. look, we're going to put it in the hands of the people, but I trust that people aren't going to go too far with this. And, you know, that's the thing is like boundaries are important, but also we're going to stay out of this one because... Otherwise, it's fascism. He realized that basically prohibition was fascism, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like any other democratic society was doing that that I know of. Yeah. Um, it, but it's funny to think about him saying that, and then there probably was eye rolls even when he said it, because it's like, well, yeah, but there's drunkenness. There's there's people who will take that and run with it and, and live their, well, there was just throw their many, life away. Just yeah. as many drunk people during prohibition, because yeah. it was just, again, you, they, they found a way. Yeah. Uh, if anything... They probably had more people 
cope with problems because when you do, you had shame on it. Too. Right, you you make, shame and yeah, you make something forbidden. And you just got to do it, you know. So that's why I eat uh, cat food because you're not supposed to. Mm. Society says, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I like those tiny cans." And then you, know, <laughs> you peel back the fancy feast. You, you that first whiff of it, you're like, "This is going to be so good." But society would say, "Johnny, don't do that." Right, and I would say. Hey, stay out of my business. Right. Then you realize society. Then I, play, then I batter a little ball around the room. <laughs> I get on my hind. I get on my back and I. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's so good. So that's what I'm You're right. So to, that, to your point, uh, let's, let's stay out of people's business and let them eat cat food. All right, John. That's exactly what I said. This week, 1848, something happened in California. Do you gold want rush. The gold rush. Yeah. It began after U.S. President James K. Polk announced the discovery of gold in California. Gold was discovered by James Marshall on Sutter's Mill the previous January. Over 300,000 people known as 49ers from the year 1849 would go to California to seek their fortune. And many of them, it would not work out for them. No. But Just it, like today, it's the gold rush now is fame, right? We're all seeking it. Because we think like this person had this person has a million followers and they're not going to do that. I think that's the new gold rush. Yeah. Is the we're seeking that kernel of what makes me unique. I'll now people were doing it back then because they're like my family's going to die if I don't find gold. We're just doing it for our own self-aggrandizement. Probably you know, some of them actually they were doing okay before they went and did that. It really uh, was a it, what it what it really did do is it more quickly populated. Those yeah. Western territories yeah. and states—they were desert towns. A lot of them, right? Right. I and mean, we're like, so, yeah, but there might be gold, so let's build a city here and let's. Yeah, pan. I mean, they, you know, they existed. You ever pan for gold in Pigeon uh, Forge? Those panning panned. places. I don't know if it's Pigeon Forge. Do they I, plant things there? They have. Well, let's send this down the stream to this kid. Yeah, maybe like, this is. I forget where I pan for. It was a Royal Ranger thing or something. Oh, okay. For gold one time. Go panning, uh, John. Finally, well, let me th- uh, well, let me see how this one goes, and we'll okay. I'll, I'll let you know if it's finally. Because sometimes we say finally, and then it's like a, mm, and then yeah, you end the well, show. Well. Uh, I wanted to see what you knew about this guy because he was born this week, eighteen thirty-nine. Died not too long after eighteen seventy-six. American Civil War general George Armstrong Custer. Okay, uh, he was killed in the Battle of Little Bighorn, which that's a weird name. It is it little, little? Is it big? It's a little bighorn. A little bighorn. Yeah, just a little bighorn. It's like somebody's like, is this is this horn bother anybody? It's a little big horn. I don't. Know. It's a little. It's much. Okay. Cut. Uh, that was also called Custer's Last Stand, right? You know what it became known as that battle, because he was killed along with his entire regiment. Yeah, including two of his brothers. This is. We have some dark stories today. I apologize. It's okay. He graduated. This is my favorite part. This is in his bio. There's three sentences written about this guy. He was killed along with his brothers. The battle. Custer's last stand. This is the last sentence about this guy in this this week in history. He graduated last in his West Point class. Yeah. So just, just piling on the guy. <laughs> just kick a man while he's down. I read a lot about him in the Grant. Yeah. Uh, Chernow's Grant uh, biography. Okay. And he's a fascinating a fascinating Was character. it an example of like hubris? Is yes. that why we celebrate like his yes. kind of like his demise? Because we just go, well, this guy. He really was. He should have known. Yeah. He was, he was foolhardy. Oh, okay. Like, and, and, um, of course, the West Point thing about, the thing about West Point back then is, is almost all these guys went to West Point together and then yeah, fighting like, each other. Well, and, yeah, but how do you end up being a general if you're last? That's really, mm-hmm. that's, he used mm-hmm. assassin attitude. What happened? Yeah. I want to say there's there's a confidence a, a story to that, but I, 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 he may have been one of the ones who raised his own regiment because that happens sometimes. You're like, like, if I can't be a general here, I'll just be like, I'll be my own right. general. Yeah, they, you know, I mean, even two of his brothers are with him, so that could be true. Theodore Roosevelt, Roosevelt with the Rough Riders. I mean, that was a private enterprise, basically. Yeah. Like, you know, and if, if there may have been a connection rough to to some of the sorry, right. no pun intended, to some of the yeah. Um, like militia or whatever there. But if I remember correctly, I think he may have risen through the ranks because he was rich yeah. and had kind of, you know, made his own way a little bit, but I could be wrong about that. I just think start your own regiment to become a general. You're like, I'll just do my own thing. I think, uh, today that would be Zuckerberg. Remember he couldn't make friends at Harvard. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'll start this friend website and I'll leave people out that I don't, and we'll just like I'll use it to like make friends and meet girls, and that became Facebook. Like if you ever watch the Social Network, it's a really insecure dude yeah. that started this. So 
uh, it's it's yet to be seen if what will be his last stand. But Zuckerberg's still out there. He's still out there. We're still at his beck and call his whims, John. He's still. Listen, I'm I'm shocked. Still, do you do you foresee a a backlash, a a analog backlash? Because we know this is killing us. I really hope so. And I was talking to somebody about it the other day about you know I have friends. I think I've talked about it before. My friend Marty, his daughter Sunny. She she's one of those kids who, when she was 15, she would look at her dad and be like, I hate this generation that I'm born in. P- you know, guys don't look you in the eye. Mm. Uh, there, we're, we're, mm-hmm. c- we can't stop looking at our phones. Every boy I date's addicted to porn. Like, she was one of those kids that was like, get me out of this timeline. Mm-hmm. And I think if enough of those get together, we're going to see some weird, like, Luddite. I hope it doesn't go so far as to be like, let's tear down all the systems. Right. Because there's been a lot of progress. But I could see like a little bit of a Luddite tradition where they go like, hey, this is killing us. We're going to go do the Thoreau thing and go live in the woods and live deeply and suck the marrow out of life. I can yeah. see that. You see people go to na- be naturalists. Yeah. It's usually naturalists is equated with like nudity, though. Like, well, I'm a naturalist. Okay, buddy. Mm-hmm. Stay away mm-hmm. from me. Like all natural. All natural. Yeah. But I could see people like getting back to nature. You see people like feel a connection with nature and they go, turn off your phones. I remember when we were in Bolivia on a missions trip and our tech director at the time and now our dear friend Jeffrey Emmy award winning Jeffrey Holland mm. he talked about it because we had no cell service the the infrastructure just wasn't there in Bolivia at the time we were there so we were like without Wi-Fi for a lot of that trip and so it forced us to have these deep conversations around the dinner table and play games like board games mm-hmm. and he was like I look back now that was incredible and this yeah. is somebody who was like wired in from birth basically his right. generation so it was even he was like, oh, and then, of course, it doesn't take you long to get right back in, sucked right back into technology and see the great you see the good side of it. But you, the downside, you kind of gloss over. But, yeah, when you get away from it for a minute. So maybe there'll be a backlash. I'm I don't want it to be so crazy that we're just like, no. let's take down the banking system to show that, like, let's reset the whole like that's probably that's first of all, it's illegal, John. And you shouldn't even talk that way. Guys, I just want to take down the banking system. Is that so much to ask for? I just want to be remembered. Hey, speaking of, I did look up. Custer, because I, I, I figured I misspoke and I did. Yeah. Um, so he, by the way, not only did he was he last in his class, um, he was a lazy student. Wow. Nearly expelled yeah. several times. Racked up. Get this: seven hundred and twenty-six demerits. This is my kind of guy, honestly. Yeah. I mean, but, I relate more to him than any other general that I've ever heard of. Well, <laughs> I got demerits. When I was, like I said, they needed soldiers, even though he was, so he was commissioned a second lieutenant. Yeah. And the deal was, and I say he didn't raise his own, but eventually he was uh, put in charge. He was brigadier general of volunteers, of oh, a volunteer okay. Michigan cavalry brigade. And then soon after, he began sporting an unusual and flamboyant uniform, which brought him even more attention. So he was like this media hound. Right. Like he was, he wanted, so the whole big, yeah. the, 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 the battle of little bighorn, like he wanted that he had, he had promoted. Yeah. It was like, uh, I want Holyfield. Yeah. He was yeah. Don King yep. and flamboyant. And yeah, it's a clickbait. He was like, mm-hmm. he was wanting the papers to write about him. And the papers were a big deal back then in terms of yeah what's happening in that. I mean, the media has always had that sort of, well, he's not been forgotten. No, but not for what he wanted. Mm. And isn't that just like our lives? Wants that preach it, it can listeners we hope you remember us mm. see how is that going? i like that see how i wrapped it that was a good one okay i watched how the master did it we hope you remember to go to our website john what is it talk about that podcast.com you can click on a couple of different links there you can see all the archived episodes first of all over 280 something yeah if you go to the top right, that's where you can support the show. We love our supporters. Thanks to our patrons. And you get free things from us, including ad-free content. Mm. Uh, and then if you go to the bottom right, there's a little voice bubble. And that's how you send us a note. We get so many cool notes from our our listeners now. And it's great uh, to you know kind of hear what you guys wanted to hear us talk about or what you enjoyed, what you hated. We throw those away. Right. But because we can't handle any criticism no, of any kind. It hurts. We're very sensitive and thin-skinned people. Yeah. But send us a note. By the way, leave a review on your favorite podcast app. That helps people find the show. And leave a five-star review if you'd like. You know, we, you had mean a, it. we had a five-star review, Johnny. It's probably worth reading. Oh, sure. Recent Let's one. do it. It's called, uh, the title is, Better Than All the Rest! Wow. Exclamation point. Was it Tina Turner? Simply the best. I was like, wow. And uh, the, uh, I don't know who it was that left it, but they said, this is by far my favorite podcast.
Okay. I'm working backward to listen to all the podcasts. And I am in 2019 currently. So she's gone back. Pretty far. Uh, I listen daily to get caught up. I'm dying to be on your show. You on your show and help you with all the answers I yell at the podcast. So okay. I mean, she's a part. Like this is right. the real listeners are yelling at the we podcast. We still need to do the live show just because I think that would happen. Yeah, it would be like pro wrestling. People would be a, people would be unable to contain Un- themselves. It would be unbelievable. She's like, I'm a full time wife and homeschooling mom of four and a part time triple board certified physician. This is, oh, this is smart, smart people Man. listening to us. Yeah. Two really hard jobs. Uh, there. Yeah. And uh, this show appeals to my need for humor and deep theological discussions. These guys get it. You know what? I think she gets it. Like, I'm feeling. Did, yeah, you, uh, did you write this? Be honest with me, John. <laughs> I this found, feels. She said, I found Johnny at Dry Bar and found the podcast through Johnny's social. So please keep up the great work. So, number one, that whole thing you said earlier about not posting social right. stuff, I need you to do it more. Okay. Because, again, she's getting it. You know what? Uh, These Luddites out here, they're a problem, and we got to stop them. I don't know what I was saying before about hoping that people shut down and go move away from technology, because clearly... Ryan, this is what we need. The algorithm knows best. Yeah. That, no. Uh, let's find the balance. Okay. I want my fans to know about the show and people to find us. Our friends. I call them friends. Not sure. Fans. You call them fans. I call them friends. I don't think I've... But... Uh, ever... Confidants. <laughs> Colleagues. You, John, if you threw a party, invited everyone you knew, you would see the biggest gift would be from me. And the card attached would say, thanks for listening to the podcast. No, but we, we think of you as friends, and uh, it means a lot. And thanks for – but, yes, I'm going to po- – I need to share more of my life. I need to – because that's what they always say. They go, listen, the, my people who try to like manage my Oh, socials, they're your people now. They're my people. Oh, my gosh. No, no, no. I'm saying the, my, I literally have people that I hire I to tell people. me what to do. And they go, Johnny, there's only one you, and they want to see you. And they got you got to be you. And I'm like, oh, boy. Like, I've been trying to get away but, from that. Right. I'm like, life. no, if I show them the real me, you don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't show them the real you. Right. Just enough a for cura- them to keep listening to the podcast. curated, yeah. honed m- myself. Yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe Photoshop a little bit. On it. Like, both metaphorically right. and literally. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, check it out, guys. Do follow Johnny on socials, J-O-N-N-I-E-W. That's at Johnny W. We just added 12 new tour dates in 2024, and they are opening for Nate Bargatze. Wow. That's We're awesome, man. some more arenas with Nate. So look for tickets for those shows, because there's still some tickets available. And you do not want to miss these shows, because I'm doing time, and then Nate's doing his new hour, which is oh, fantastic. He was unbelievable. He's getting ready for his new Netflix taping, and you want to see this hour live. Yeah, it was amazing. So, yeah. yeah, go check him out, man. And guys, we're so glad you listen to us every week. We sure appreciate it. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. This is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Ministry podcast. Learn how to share and defend your faith by listening to us weekly. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.